0: This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atir and webyeshiva.org, recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haram Ban. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live, interactive, online shiurim today. Okay, this is what we're going to talk about. Vayakil Pekude, the, these are the Parsha of this coming week. Vayakil Pekude, as you know, a parallel to Truma and Titzaveh. So you have Truma, Titzaveh. Then in the middle, you have Kitisa, that was last week's parasha, which, as you may know, is a very long parasha. that, uh, And it includes the distressing story about the Cheta right? That No matter how you cut it down, the Cheta that it remains kind of a little distressing to think that after Kabbalat Torah, the Jews did something that was terrible. Like whatever the definition of terrible is, it was terrible. What I would like to, um, what I'd like to talk about is the fact that both in the parasha of Kitisa and at the beginning of the parasha of VaYakher, there is uh, uh, the notion that Shabbat exists in the world Enters into the conversation, and the question, of course, is is why? Why, when you build the mishkan, does the Torah have to tell us about Shabbat? So, if we look at the first source on the sheet, it says shechet yamim tease milacha te'aseh. For those of you who remember anything about Tikduk, tease is a nifal. Nif'al. Nif'al means passive, something that uh, I don't do it, but it becomes, right? A passive kind of a verb. I know that grammar is not beloved of people whose native language is English. Whether they're from England or from America or from Canada, it doesn't matter. But this is important to remember. It could have said, the Torah could have said, ta'ase. Right, an active form. Instead, it uses the less common and uh, noticed form, tease. So, she she jemen tease melacha, biyomashri yelechen kode, Shabbat, Shabbaton, lachev, kolo seba, bo melacha, yumat. So, that's what the Pasuk says at the beginning of Vayakel. This Pasuk is a directive about Shabbat. You have to keep Shabbos. And in the directive about Shabbat, it says, Shabbaton and Kodesh, right? Kodesh, Shabbaton, those are the words that are used to describe Shabbat. Rashi says, you see the Rashi? Hikdim lahem azharat Shabbat le The beginning of Ayakel. the parish of Ayakel is about melechet Hamishkan. mishkan Building the building. You remember? Maybe you should remember that the parasha of Truma is about what's it about? Clay ha right? The kelim, and then the parasha of Titzaveh is about binyan HaMishkan. the the building, the structure that uh, that the kelim were put into. Uh, in the parashiyot of Byakel and that's reversed. Vayakel is about the building the Mishkan and Tekudeh is about the clay for Mishkan and the Major says the Major says that uh, that Bezalel, uh, Bezalel, you, know, you wonder like what did Moshe Rabbeinu need Btzalel for I mean what, what was Btzalel's contribution so Btzalel contributed a pragmatic position. And the pragmatic position that that Pissarah looked at the parashiot of and Tetzaveh, which already existed, and he said there's something wrong. It can't be that God wants me to build the kelim before I build the bayit. So he said, against the teaching of Moshe Rabbeinu, he was like the practical guy in the field. He said, no, we've got to build the bayit first. And that's why he's bitzhaled, Kael, he's in the shadow of God. There's something, he knew something. In other words, even though Truman Tetzaveh lists everything in order of importance, and the Kalim are more important than the Bayat. nevertheless, B'Tzalov said, how can you have Kalim? How can you have an iron kodesh? There's no place to put it. You have to put it someplace. So he said, let's build the Beit HaMikdash first. In any event, Rashi says, of this pursuit that we just read, well, this is a kind of programmatic Rashi everybody knows this Rashi and Rashi says Rashi says we well, have we learn from here in other words you're building the Mishkan Shabbos comes along stop building the Mishkan don't build the Mishkan on Shabbat So, of course, the question that you can ask about Rashi is, I mean, who said I needed this information? Why would I build a Mishkan on Shabbat? Everybody knows that the prohibitions of Shabbat are ultimate, and they only are refined in a case of Kikroch Nefesh. If somebody has to be treated for a very serious medical problem, even if it's not such a serious medical problem, right? Today, every medical problem is very serious. I mean, this, you know, probably is uh, has a certain amount of truth to it. If not statistical truth, then some ultimate, you know, truth. Like, if if, uh, if there's something wrong with you, so who knows what it'll be? I mean, you can't, even though the Gemara itself tries to distinguish between the kinds of aches and pains that are problematic in the long run, or could be problematic in the long run, and those that are it, whether are a pain in your eye, is pikuach nefesh or not, that's a concern that the Gemara has. But generally, it's agreed, if a doctor comes and says, it could really turn out to be terrible, even if it's not terrible right now, that's called pikuach nefesh. That's called, so we're very liberal about pikuach nefesh on Shabbat.
1: But why would anybody
0: think that we're going to be liberal about building the Mishkan on Shabbat? Because all the people who are building the Mishkan are, in turn, being the Chalel Shabbat. So why does Rashi... I mean, Rashi is explaining to me. He says, you know why there's a connection between Shabbat and Mishkan? To teach you that you shouldn't build a Mishkan on Shabbat. So, what's the problem in it? You know, why would anybody think you could build a Mishkan on Shabbat? Why do I need the Torah to specifically tell me that I shouldn't build a Mishnah on Shabbat. That's the question we ask about Rashi. In, in this context, I quote a Gemara. The sheet in Shabbat, Mem This is one of many Gemaras that I could quote, but I quoted this one. And the Gemara says, Ba'ilu." They sat and asked the following question: "How do you know the Mishnah?" in Shabbat, in Cloud Gadol, says that there are 39 avot melachot. I don't know exactly what avot melachot means, but in order not to admit to you that my ignorance will say categories. You know, 49, there are 39 categories of melachot that they each have a name, and each one uh, uh, says that anything like me is also also. That's what an avdolachah means. You could use the word prototypical, which is even less understood, but sounds good. You know, like prototypical kinds of acts, which in turn are forbidden. Like we we'll learn later on that you do them in the mishkan, but you can't do them out of the mishkan. For example, uh, on Shabbat, we give a korban tamid. Right? The, the, the daily sacrifices are given on Shabbat as well. In order to give the sacrifice, you have to sheft the animal. Right? You have, to, you have to kill it somehow, slaughter the animal. So we don't do that on Shabbat, outside. We do it in the Mish, in the Beit HaMikdash, but we don't do it outside of Mish. That's an Av Milacha. So, Shechita, you can't do Shechita, you can't do wounding, you can't do you know, anything that looks like Shechita, you can't do either. So the the, um, the Gemara says, "Avot v'la'chod ha'bein chaserachat keneged me, amalu rabbi chani v'achama keneged avodot ha'mishkan." How do we know that there are thirty-nine? How do we know there are thirty-nine avot melacha? Well, we know it because if you look at the mishkan and count all the things they did on the Mishkan, that are in the Mishkan, that are called Malachot, that's what we're going to come out with. They're going to come up with the thirty nine. So that there is a certain connection between building the Mishkan and Shabbat. Right? There's a certain connection. But that connection only takes place when? After the Mishkan is built. Mishkan, mikdash, right? These are interchangeable terms. There. Mishkan refers to the tabernacle in the desert, and mikdash refers to the Beit HaMikdash. So there is a connection between Mishkan and Shabbat. What's the connection? Whatever I do in the mikdash on Shabbat, I cannot do outside of the mikdash. That's why I know what the specific prohibitions are. But this doesn't really help me to explain why somebody would think that you could... uh, um, that you could build the Mishkan on Shabbat. What's when, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really inform me about that. I want to read another Pasuk. The beginning of the parasha of Takuday. Right? This Shabbos is Vayakel and Pakuday. This pasuk, the first Pasuk we read is from Vayakel. This Pasuk that we read is from Pakuday. I mean Pakuday and in the Pekude, Mishkan Mishkan I do it, I pimoshe. Avodat haLeviim um, biyali Tamar ben Aron haKohain. Pekudei haMishkan. Pekudei haMishkan. The word "pikude means the things that I think about when I make the mishkan. Like, what do I need? What are the ingredients? What are the like? What, what is the material that I need? So Rashi says the parasha zo. Mishkan. mishkan lekesef the He says that's what Raji says. That first there's a list. What do we need to build this mishkan? To build the Kalim. How much gold? How much silver? How much? How much uh, uh, um, finery linens? What, what do we need? Okay, mishkan mishkan. How mishkan mishkan? It says Ayla I'm reading the Pasuk. Mishkan Mishkan Haidut. So even though I read it that way, so with a comma after the first word Mishkan, when I look at it, I see Mishkan Mishkan. I see the word Mishkan appearing twice. Even though when I read it, it sounds like it's two different sentences or two different phrases. So it's a Mishkan Haidut ha Mishkan Mishkan Seta Amin. It says it twice, In other words, twice, the Mikdash, the Beit HaMikdash, was taken away from B'nai Yisrael. What is a mitmashkon? Mashkon is, in English there's a word, that there is surety, right? In other words, you, you want to make sure about something. So you... You give something, you somebody hold something of yours, and then when he does it, or you, or when you do what you're supposed to do, you get it back It's some kind of a... So so the Mishkan, what Rashi says is that this word Mishkan, which appears twice in the Pasuk, refers to the fact that the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed twice. Okay? And why is it called me, uh, Mishkan Ha'idut, the next Rashi? Ha'idut li Yisrael? So Viter Lahema Kodishbohu a Masuha This is a not a not an unimportant statement by Rashi. Rashi understands the story of the Khaita Egel. The story of the Khaita Egel as a story in which Viter Lahema Kodeshbohu a Masa Egal a Kodishbohu gave in the Kodesh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, they should be punished, destroyed. We should start over again. Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, no, no. What are they going to say? What are other people going to say? HaKodesh Baruch Viter. did not punish the Jews for the hate HaEgel. So he says, Eidut li Yisrael, the Mishkan, gives witness to B'nai Yisrael, ongoing witness, Shevitelem Kodesh Baruch Hu a Masa Egel that Kodesh Baruch didn't forgive them, but didn't punish them for the hate ha What? So there was Moshe Rabbeinu and the Levim. They killed the people who were actively involved in the Masa Egel. But then the Kodesh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, "Look, this is ridiculous. I mean, how could the people, the people who made the Egel, there was no opposition." It was there were the people who did it, and then there was everybody else standing around who was not opposed. Rakhodesh Bohol said to Moshe Rabbeinu, everybody should be killed. And and Moshe Rabbeinu said, and and you Moshe Rabbeinu will be the father of a new nation. Moshe Rabbeinu said no. And Rakhodesh Bohol, so to speak, acquiesced to that demand of Moshe Rabbeinu. And so the Beit HaMikdash became the symbol of the fact Besides everything else, it also was the symbol of the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu relented and did not punish B'nai Yisrael for the Chait Ego. How? Sheharei Hishash That's what happened. The Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, was in the Beit HaMikdash slash Mishkan, and because the Divine Presence was there, so B'nai Yisrael understood that they were forgiven. Or they were not being punished. That's, that's certainly the case. Okay. Next pasuk. There's another pasuk that I want you to, I want to remind you of. And that's the pasuk in Shirat Hayam. You remember? Shirat Hayam is relevant. It's relevant to us because on Pesach. On Pesach, you know, we say Hallel at night, right? We say halal at night. We say part of halal before we eat and part of it, which sort of is like the end of the magid. Right, you know how the Mishnah says you tell the story somehow and then the Hayavadamler smoke, the that comes after the Magid. So well, it's part of the Magid but it's at the end and then that's what the mishnah says so you have to say so right after the magid we start saying hallel the paragraphs of hallel we said two paragraphs of hallel right and then we say I guess everybody's happy after we eat. Right? We say, Birkatamazon. And then we finish Halev. And then we finish Halev. And that Halev that we finish, after Mazon everybody should know this perfectly, because, even though you might be a little drunk by this time, you never, I mean, not drunk, it's just we drink wine, you get sleepy. But sleepy is also good. But but still, you remember, you say Halev. That halal that we say after Berkaka which continues into what's called Pirkei Shira. Pirkei, Shira. Pirkei Shira is the means that it's not the halal that I say about something that happened in the past. It's the halal that I say about something that's happening. What's happening Chayav Avadam. They wrote the that's right. They wrote that's right. That's what's happening. So there's a difference between. That's why we say Hallel twice on the night of Pesach. Like we go to shul. And you say Hallel. And you make a brocha. Who, who's with Sivanu? The rabbanan, The Chachanim. They don't say Hallel. So we say Hallel. We're soldiers. We say Hallel. We don't have to be excited about it. But we understand that that's the... Like if there was a miracle, we should say Hallel. So there was a miracle on Hanukkah. There was a miracle on Sukkot. There's a so we say Hallel. And there was a miracle on Pesach. What was that miracle called? you Mitzhiat. Yitzhiat Mitzhiat. We go to Shul. We say Hallel. But when we say Hallel at, at home, at the Seder, that's called Shira. That's called Shira. Shira means I'm carried away. I'm not able to control myself. It's like, you know, you could speak about poetry in that way. You know, there's your poetry and writing a column for a newspaper. Writing a column for a newspaper or a magazine, you're like, here are the facts. In fact, when you learn how to do that, when they teach their courses, they'll tell you what should be in the first paragraph, what should be in the second paragraph, how, how people's minds wander after they read 72 words. Right? That's called a column for a newspaper. That's... It's not you. It's your pen. But it's often not you. It's you're writing it the way you're supposed to write it. Shirah. It's something that only you can write. Only you can sing the song that's in your heart. So what is the example in the Torah of Shirah? Shirah Right? The people were saved. They understood finally what they were supposed to understand and that's what happened at the time of shira, before Shirat Hayam. By Abinu B'ashem and so B'ashem and Moshe produces a shi- produces Shirah, and Shira has the extra special quality that it often approaches prophecy, and that's why in Shirat Hayam this pasuk appears, which of course we know very well because we say it every day. A place where you will sit. You have done Hashem, Hashem, yadecha. right? The temple, the Mikdash, which is what we're talking about, yadecha. you God are going to produce, establish, determine. Like, what are those words? So that Shirah, necessarily also contains prophecy. In other words, they were, what were they happy about? They were happy that they were saved. Right? Shuratayam. They were saved. What, were they, what are they talking about? They're talking about the future. That's the difference between the mitzvah of halal, which is about the past. I'm happy that something good happened in the past. I'm happy that there was a miracle on Hanukkah. I'm happy that the Hashemonaim won in the battle against the Greeks. I'm happy. But that doesn't mean that I'm happy right now about anything in particular. But on Pesach, I'm not only happy about the Mitzrayim, but I'm happy about myself. I understand something. Something is... Uh, so I remind you that in Shirah, there is prophecy. And that prophecy is here, Mikdash Hashem Rashi Yad. Very interesting, uh, very interesting comments. Tavieimo. Tavieimo is the word Tavi. Tavi otam. Tavi otam. Right? Uh, Rashi says, N'etnabe Moshe, Shiloh Yikhanes La'aretz, lo Right? The uh, Rosh Hashem didn't say, you, God, will bring us to Eretz Yisrael, even though you could say that. It doesn't mean when you say you bring us to Eretz Yisrael, it doesn't mean every single one of us is going to make it, but Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy, again, you see that word prophecy? It comes up, here's Moshe Rabbeinu, he's in his exalted state singing She'at about what God did, but he, and he prophesies. First, I know that I'm not going to come to Eretz Yisrael. Mechon Meshifticha, Machon. Mikdash shomata mechuvan keneged kisei asher pa'alta. Why is it called machon l'shifticha, a place where you sit? So Rashi was not a Kabbalist, Rashi was not a Kabbalist, but there are these ideas that became very popular amongst the Kabbalists. Machon l'shifticha, that there's a place where God, there's a place in heaven. Right, there's there always this, this idea that even God is, even though we know that God is every place, there is this idea that God is someplace. God is more someplace than other places. And therefore, uh, uh, it's with that notion that we can understand what the Beit Hamidash is. Right, for people who come from Chutzlaritz, like I think everybody here does, people who grew up in Kutzlarits, we don't have of the notion of place. The notion of place, you, know, of place, you, know, you can have it anywhere. You, you can build a shul anywhere. I mean, you know, not have it. There's certain halachot, there's certain things to get, but this idea that there's a place which is better than all other places is not an idea that we grew up with. Whereas if you live Eretz Yisrael and you go to the kotel to David, and so you have some idea, I mean, it's not quite the same, of course, I understand, there's no Beit HaMikdash, but you have the idea that there is a place where the accessibility to God and the accessibility of God is greater, automatically, you just go there. You go there. So I think the people who, well, I don't know. I really don't know. But I can think but, but for myself, it's an idea that strikes me as being odd. Whereas I think my children are more comfortable with the idea that uh, that there's a place. So Rashi Rashi says this. This is the Rashi. Mikdash Hashem Kodinuya yadecha. That's the last phrase in Rashi. Atam alav Zakef Gadol. You don't see it here in the... But on this, the Zakef Gadol is a Tam for where they lay. You know, when they read the Torah, so there are these notes. One, there's a note called Zakef Gadol. A Zakef which has two parts to it. At the bottom, under the word, is like a kind of a... I don't even know what you call that. Yeah, but that's just using another word that. What (laughs) do you call that in English? You know, like a thing. It's like a sign like this. An angle bracket? Yes? Oh, that's good. I like that. That's what it looks like. It looks like this. And then the other half of it is two dots above the word, right? This this angle below the word. And two dots. And it's called, we would call it a ta'amaksik. All the all the ta'amim are either mechabrim; they either connect things together or they divide them. So Rashi, we don't know if Rashi was a balcori, but he knew about the ta'amim. So he said, he says, this ta'am zakef, uh, zakef gadol, is a mafrid. he says, though you have to read the pasuk, kama, hashem konenu yadecha, not b'dash hashem. But Mikdash, Ashem Khaliadecha, A Mikdash Shaolan uh sorry, I'm sorry, Mikdash, Atamura Zakevka Dola Fridoni Tevrat Hashem Salaharas A Mikdash Hashem Kodiluya Deh Hashem. The Mikdash which you God have created, established. That's how you should read those sukin. Havid the says listen. Chaviv Beit Midash, Like it's a drusher You know, like, like it's, a, it's a wonderful little drusher It's not so clear why Rashi included it, but maybe we'll be able to understand. Chaviv. You know that word Chaviv? It's, it's like... Uh, it like means chosen. It's the better one. There are other places, but this is the best place. Chaviv Beit Midash. It says, after all, the world was created by God using one hand. How do you know, Shaneh There's a post My hand, singular, created the, the earth, the world, right? O mikdash, pishtayadayim. And the Beit HaMikdash is created, Mikdash Hashem Koninu Yadecha, plural. Not Yad, but Yadecha. So what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu and B'nai Yisrael and Shirat Hayam were referring to when they said, Mikdash Hashem Koninu Yadecha, Be'zman Hashem Yimloch Lamba Ed. There's a correspondence always between a Beit HaMikdash, a place, and the fact that God is every place. When God will be every place, then God will also be some place. So Rashi, Rashi continues this theme. He continues this theme that when B'nai Israel built the Mishkan, they weren't really building the Mishkan. <laughs> Why? Because of the Chait ego. And because they were not forgiven for the chayta ego, So even though the Shekhinah was in there, but that wasn't really the Beit HaMikdash. What is the Beit HaMikdash? The Beit HaMikdash is the place where <laughs> the, the, the place where Hashem Yimloch HaOlam precedes the building of the Beit HaMikdash. And certainly B'nai Yisrael in the desert were not experiencing Hashem Yimloch HaOlam because except for them, no one else knew anything about Hashem Yimloch HaOlam and we also have this aspect of prophecy that B'nai Yisrael and the Shirah, the Shira Tayyam, had to talk about the future and had to talk about their prophecy and what would be prophecy. doesn't mean that God was telling them the words, but prophecy means that they knew what was going to happen. They knew that Hashem Yim They knew that Hashem They knew all of that. So now that we have a scene. We know this information, right? We remember that there's some connection between the Mishkan and Shabbos. There's some problem with how we should see the Mishkan that was built in the desert. Is it like the ultimate Mishkan or the less than ultimate Mishkan? So I would like to uh, kind of review with you uh, what, the, what the pre-Tzaddik said. Remember that the pre The pre-tzaddik was from the school of Izvitz. And he was a Rebbe in Lublin. In Lublin, my daughter's going to Poland. But you're going to Lublin? Efron? Huh? You don't go to Lublin? You go to Lublin? So that's where the pre-tzaddik was. And before him, the Torah Tzemes. Right, they were the first ones in Lublin. Before that, their Rebbe was in Ishmitz. What? Who? Well, that was a long time before. It wasn't like a direct uh, connection. But you'll see the grave of the Chozum in Lublin. That you will see. But the grave is not exactly in Lublin. It's outside of Lublin. And I don't know if graves are such a big deal, but uh, maybe... It's very hard to read what it says on the grave. You have to get a, but uh, to get a postcard, and then you be able to sit and try to figure it out. So this is the pretzadek. The pretzadek, as I told you in the past, was we were very fortunate that the pretzadek did not attract many Hasidim. and therefore he was able to write many books, of which we now are able to benefit, from which we can benefit. If he had Hasidim, he'd have to. He would have had to deal with them, which would have been bad for us. So, you know, who knows what's good and what's bad in this world? You know, it's hard to tell. So, Juan? When did he live? I think he died in the beginning of the 20th century. Is that... What's his name? Sodok Akhoy, Sodok Akhoy, I think his family name is Rabinovich. Yes? Oh, okay. So, my is it's good to have you. <laughs> Avinovich. But Sadaq, every closer of Sadaq got caught Because he was a kohen. <laughs> yes. In fact, when, when the Taurus Evans became Rebbe, Taurus Evans was older than Rav Soda. But the Taurus Evans was Rav Lebele Eger. That was his name. You know, like Aryeh Lebe, Lebele Eger. He, labeler Eger, was the grandson of Rabbi Kiva Eger. Rabbi Kiva Eger was the ultimate Mishnaget. The ultimate Mishnaget. His punishment was <laughs> <laughs> that his grandson was the ultimate trusted. Ah. Things happen. We don't know how they happen. Just don't know how they happen. <laughs> but they happen all the time. Today we see it. We see it all the time, you know. You know, the most, the kind of uh, upright, yackish parents end up with children who are na-na-na people, you know. It's like, uh, who knows how this happens? I used to think that parents had a very powerful influence on their children, I guess. It's not... Yeah, that's also true So, But, you know, how do they figure out what the opposite is? So, so this is what Sederk, he wrote, he wrote... Uh, um, a long essay on Shabbat, which is printed in the first volume of the pre Right, the Pre-Tzaddik is his commentary on the Chumash, mostly. In the first volume, there's a very long essay on Shabbat, from which this is excerpted. This this section. But so let's, let's see what he says. Hekdimah Torah Shabbat was, he, he's like setting it up now. This is what it says in the Parash of Kitisa, He says, l'adat Okay, I can look at. I can show you the psukim. It's in Parik Lamed Aleph. Paseg That's the Paseg that he's referred to. You can look it up. Radat Hashem mekadishchem. And this is what interests him. These words. Hashem mekadishchem. I, comma, Hashem, comma, I make you, the community, holy. I mean, I'm using the word holy, even though it's, it may not be in such a good translation but it's a common translation, right? B'kaddishchem Lakdim ha-kiddushah the Shabbat Shem itzad Hashem yidvarach ba'atzmoa makdim l'kaddish adam Chodem sheyavoh adam l'itkaddish So he has this idea that the word kedusha, that the word kedusha could mean a state that is imposed on on us, and could also mean a state that is achieved by us. Let me say that again. In other words, Kedusha is something that might be given to us from God, like Nibroah, prophecy. In other words, we can, each one of us, can prepare ourselves for prophecy, We could study Torah, we could have great uh, uh, midot, and we can live in the best possible way, but we won't necessarily become prophets. This is what the Rambam explained to us. We'll only become prophets if God decides to devolve the prophecy upon us. The same thing is true with this word, Kedusha. There are two aspects to it. One aspect of Kedusha is that God imposes it upon us gives us the opportunity makes it possible for us and the other possibility is that we can grab at it we can try to yank ourselves up this ladder of Kedusha and so he says he says uh, uh, Kedushat, uh, uh, that's, not that's the sixth line that's what shabbat is because shabbat it just comes it comes and and since it is uh, uh that shabbat uh, What does it mean to say, I, Hashem, impose Kedusha upon you? What does that mean? Shabbat. That God forces us. It forces us to come into, to to kind of relate to Shabbat, because Shabbat is there, whether we like it or not. It's not something that we created, it's just there even though the it seems to say the opposite it says you will become called, you will be kodesh in other words you have to have some kind of preparedness. To accept the Kedushan that's imposed by God upon you. So that you have to do something. You have to kind of make a step in the right direction. It could be a small step, but it has to be a step. That's what the Gemara says. The Mishnah says that if you just open up um, the, like the eye of the needle to tshuva p'tchuli k'p'tchosh machat, right the needle has an eye which is very small you just do that and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help you out and get you to where you have to go hakan mitzad ha'adam ava leptichah zo kadam mitzad H'ashem mikadisho el so this, he's trying to figure out how it works exactly. On the one hand, you have the human effort to come close to God and Kedusha, and you have the imposition of Kedusha by God upon you. So now if we skip a little here, until there are three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines on the bottom. If you look eight lines from the bottom of this column, he says, and this is the important point: Right in the Gemara, Rabbi, of the de Milah Shabbat, discussing the laws of Milah, it says, "Beliom chet Shabbat." When do you, when do you circumcise a child? On the eighth day. Why on the eighth day? Because you always pass a Shabbat. If you do it, in other words, why not do it on the third day, on the fifth day, on the seventh day? I mean, uh, uh, the eighth day doesn't mean anything medically. I mean, I suppose that somebody wrote something about it sometime. But in fact, it's not, you know, such a devastating thing that it couldn't be done earlier or done later. What's eight? Where did the number eight come from? So he's—I mean, I know it's a fossil of the Torah, right? Beyond a shemini yom b'zar olatov. I mean, where did the Torah think that eight? Why did the Torah think that eight was so important? He says, "Kedeshi yavor Shabbat, so that the child should have lived through a Shabbat." Ki hamila who hatchalat maasey yedei Adam. Adam He says, after all, milo is a response to the divine demand. Like God said, I made you almost perfect. Now perfect it. we are shutafin. We are partners somehow in the creation. Uh... Yede Adam begufa adarat smolitak no, me mashaloia mitukan babriya. She babriya hai ya arel. Right, what do we call someone who is uncircumcised? We call them an arel. Vashemit right. brach ratsa, shigmatikun abriya, yao yede puulat Adam, shiratsa lizakotet yisrael. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to give B'nai Yisrael the opportunity to complete the act of B'riyah and circumcise the male children. HaOlamot. And this is the sign that the world is completed, finished. B'riyat HaOlamot. U'mila mitzvah Rishonah that the mitzvah of Milah is the mitzvah that creates the community of Israel. That all the non-Jews are Arelim, whether they're circumcised or not. It doesn't make any difference. It's only Am Yisrael that, that becomes through Mila, becomes Am Yisrael. Haibish rake muhanim with hakein ha breah, sheyau shleimuta, the Lord kemoshi nivra rak bishleimut, yote avalach hum, a non Jew, a filu avota olam lizar amach in the name of kedushat ha'yadut, I have charge to care shechata, we gdid ad lemalah. Again, you hear this in the sentence: Avav bishachata bnei Yisrael sin, we gdid avodot ad lemalah. What? When was this? Chayta Eigel. Even though bnei Yisrael did the worst possible thing you can imagine, and they uh, uh, Why was it that Because there's a kedusha to Am Yisrael to the notion of Am Yisrael that doesn't disappear. So if you say why was it that God was forgiving of the Nei Yisrael and the Chayta Egel according to the pre because there is a, a kind of a uh, uh, a seriousness to am Yisrael, an importance to am that even the Chayit HaEga was not able to usurp. Uh, again, it's delo yidach v'em yidach, ok, Lishmo Mabatan yit barach, nimolim Biyotam t'inok, she'ain bo <Hebrew> shum da'at t'lau. So that even though the Mila comes to the Pinoch when he's just a baby, nevertheless it distinguishes himself from all the other people in the world, and therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu was not willing to wipe out that achievement in Olam Hazer. Now if you skip a little bit, Two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine lines from the bottom. The word vitzarich. Vitzarich she yikdam lo kedushat shabbat shehu chatchalat kedusha shemay yitbarach belo peulat adam klaw. So that the baby before the milah has to go through a Shabbat. Because the Shabbat is God's gift to us. And that, uh, uh, we we didn't do anything we have Shabbat. And therefore, once you've gone through this Shabbat, then you're able... Then you're able kedusha lemaase be pulata adam u milab bismana docha shabbat. Isn't that right? Milab bishabizvarad docha shabbat. He why? Why is milab bismana docha shabbat? Why is it that you do Mila even on Shabbat? It's not pikuach nefesh, and we know that for most babies, they're not circumcised on Shabbat. They they pass through Shabbat. So what is this business about? What do you think? In other words, why is it that you can do mila on Shabbat when the malacha that's associated with the mila is also on Shabbat? But it's also to cut and to let, to, to, to uh, produce a flow of blood. It's, it's forbidden. You can't do that on Shabbat. How come you can do milah on Shabbat? I know the Torah says it, but how come? So this is what he says, the pre Sadiq He says, uh, milah, I'm now four or uh, five lines at the bottom. Mela be manado khashbat be zaman mitsada tinoku gankane shehu dushatsamai shuhu poel klum because the child who is going through this mela he doesn't do anything o de met ma sayde hem should said ke huma sayde ha karaj bo so that that it turns out, it turns out that when is it that Shabbat disturbs you, disturbs what you're doing? When your level of achievement is not entirely connected to Shabbat. But you're not a Shabbat person. So when the people were building the Mishkan, when the people were building the Mishkan, they were not in Shabbat when they were building the Mishkan. They were in the Mishkan. And since they were into the Mishkan, because that was their Malachah, that was what they were trained to do, you can't say that they were being the Shabbat, that they were uh, accepting the Shabbat whilst they were building the Mishkan. That you can't say. And therefore, building the Mishkan is not Docha Shabbos, because it does not blend with Shabbat. It's not equal to Shabbat. Because all those people, all those iron and all the people who made the fancy cloth, and all the people who made the cave, that's what they did. That was their job. And since that was their job, it's very hard to say that they were doing Shabbat when they built there uh, the Mishkan. But the Mila is being done to a child. And that child is entirely in Shabbat because the child can't do anything. And he doesn't do anything. And since the milah is then again performed by the tzaddikim, who are affected by the fact that it is Shabbat and the Tinok is a Tinok, so you're allowed to do the milachah, not to do the milachah associated with milah on Shabbat. So if I had to answer the question that we started with, how, what was the haba What was the haba mina to think that you could build the mishkan on Shabbos? This is well. Shabbos is Kedusha Min Hashemayim. And Mishkan is Kedusha that we create to kind of be in symbiosis with the Kedusha Min Hashemayim. So it makes sense to say that we should be able to do the Mishkan, to build the Mishkan on Shabbos, because building the Mishkan is like Shabbos, it's the same. What's the answer to the question? No, no, it's not the same. Shabbos is when you put yourself into the Kedusha that is divine. It's given to us by God. And building the Mishkan is about the Kedusha that will be there after the Mishkan is built. And so the Kedusha that will be there after the Kedusha is built, that you can't do on Shabbos. You can't do that on Shabbos. Milah, he says, is different because Mila after all after all it's about the child giving himself over entirely to the Kedusha of Shabbos and the Mila is then performed by people who are also connected to the Kedusha of Shabbos. And this is not like the Mishkan. So that the Havamina was let's build the Mishkan on Shabbos. After all the Mishkan is dedicated to Kedusha. There's no the building of the Mishkan is not dedicated to Kedusha. Only the existing Mishkan is dedicated dedicated to Mishkan. That's why when Moshe, when the Mishkan was built, Moshe Rabbeinu had to had to start it up. He put it up and he took it down and he put it up and he put it down. That was for, for seven days until he passed over the, uh, the command to Aaron HaKohen. And when he passed over the, the, the command to Aaron HaKohen, then the Mishkan became a Mishkan. Then it became the dwelling place of God. But before that, when they were building the Mishkan, when they were building the Mishkan, the Mishkan was not yet the dwelling place of God. And therefore, it was the idea of building the Mishkan on Shabbos had to be rejected by the Torah.